0: welcome to another fortnightly episode of War Starts at Midnight. I'm Chris Gallagher.
1: And I'm Jacob Graves. On today's show, we've got a review of the Kiwi Western currently streaming on Amazon Prime, Slow West,
0: followed by a recap of week three of the Midnight Warrior Fantasy Movie League. And finally, we'll wrap up the show as we always do with some really rad recommendations. But first... Midnight Warriors, some sad news we must address that I'm sure you are all aware of by now. Uh, since the release of our last episode, the great, bright night, Adam West, has passed. And, uh, I just wanted to take a moment to, uh, you know, acknowledge the, you know, I think, I think Adam West Batman, um, has, has had a very interesting, uh, kind of journey and, and career, you know, from being a, a figure that had backlash at the time that, um, he came out from, you know, the hardcore Batman fans to finally being, you know, embraced again as, you know, a a Batman that can exist with all the other Batmen. And, uh, I, it really, the news, the news really, really struck me and really saddened me. Um, you know, and, and I, I don't know how many people are aware of this, but, you know, when we talk about ringing the bright red telephone, that is taken directly out of sixty six Batman you know that bright red telephone that he has it's connected directly to uh Commissioner Gordon or chief o'Hara
1: this was uh my first batman really i I saw yeah. the old batman uh TV shows way before I saw uh i guess would be Tim Burton's Batman yeah um, so. yeah so it, i was i was I was pretty sad and then I was old i guess I used to watch reruns of the show because uh, I always knew you know pal
0: bang. Yeah, it was it was very very similar for me and I think part of that like I was too young when the uh, the Keaton Batman came out to to actually see them. Um I knew mm-hmm. about them. I knew the storylines. I knew basically everything that was about them except for what they actually looked like.
1: I just think that uh that, that was a a a show that we maybe don't appreciate as much cuz we don't have kind of the the comic superhero take right now. And in a, in a way Marvel is sort of swinging back to that a little bit. Yeah. Um but it's a it's a shame. And Batman sixty six, good movie. I really like it. I I do Great really movie. really really like it. It's hilarious.
0: Great movie. And I I've kind of been through you know as a kid, I just loved it for what it was. In you know like high school, I loved it because I understood the camp a little more. Mm-hmm. And now as like an adult, it's just like I I love I love the variety. I love the fact that that could be done with Batman. As goofy as it is.
1: Look, Adam Adam West running down a pier with a bomb over his head is my spirit animal.
0: <laughs> you know, he kills some people in that or, <laughs> or allows people to die yeah. uh, in that movie too. Yeah. Uh, which people don't really don't really talk about. So maybe he wasn't as bright as everyone says. But
1: uh and, and, and as and as far as the man himself uh seemed like a genuinely good guy uh, oh, yeah. who, who came to terms with his typecasting from Batman and uh i mean you have to you have to not take yourself too seriously to be mayor adam west on family guy
0: well and i i feel like the the stories of adam west just being zany adam west are as as abundant as the stories of bill murray you know like mm-hmm. uh just seems like seems like a utterly joyful and just not not a cynical bone in his body um so adam west you will be missed yeah And now, real quick, before we get to our review, uh, we had a, another little—we we have a little micro-review for you, Midnight Warriors. Um, it was, it's a movie that Jake and I both uh, happened to see this week, and so we thought we'd talk about it a little bit. What do you say, Jake?
1: Yeah, uh, the, it's the superhero movie you wanted me to watch? Yeah. The one with the idyllic, morally sound, red and blue superhero up front? Uh-huh. The one with the strong female character as one of the leads?
0: Yeah, yeah, that one.
1: Uh, the one set during uh, a world war?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, that starts in the present and flashes back to the past. Uh-huh. So we're definitely talking about the same movie.
0: Yeah, we definitely... Captain
1: America, the first Avenger.
0: Oh, no. Wait, what? Jake, I... No, that, that movie's been out for years.
1: Is that I, not I, what you wanted me to review? No, you I told you me gonna, so much I, about I, it, and it all fit I, <laughs> Captain America, the first Avenger.
0: I thought you were going to see Wonder Woman.
1: What? No, I did yeah. see it. I did see that too, but... You gotta be more specific. You said the one with the guy starring in it. The actor's name was Chris, and the character's name was Steve. Is that not you know, enough?
0: Yeah, I really, I really need to stop describing the movies to you that I want to talk about.
1: Please just tell me this the title. Keeps happening.
0: Yeah. So you want to? I yeah. I haven't seen I haven't seen the first Avenger in years. So uh, I uh, did you I, see I Wonder Woman this week? I did see Wonder Woman. Uh, well, you so. sort of
1: saw the first Avenger.
0: Yeah, so you, you want to talk about it a little bit? Sure. Uh, so Wonder Woman. I obviously we were not doing a big formal review of it. It didn't quite fit into our schedule, uh, but we did both see it, so we figured we would talk about it. Jake, what do you th- what did you think of Wonder Woman?
1: It was fine. It was fine. It was okay. fine. It was, it's the best uh, I could hope for in a movie that has any Zack Snyder DNA in it. It still was a bit like... oh my.
0: It barely has Zack Snyder DNA in it,
1: though. You're right. Like, there wasn't a three-minute-long section of Amazon's fighting in slow motion.
0: <laughs> uh, well, varying Zach, speeds. Zack Snyder, Snyder's not even doing speed ramps anymore, so...
1: Oh, well, this uh, movie was. <laughs> it might... The Amazons no. might as well have been Spartans.
0: For for reference to how much this is not a Zack Snyder movie, go and see Sucker Punch. That is what Zack Snyder does with female leads.
1: So, so I, I just assumed Sucker Punch was exactly like that scene where the Amazons were Spartans, because in my head, that was Sucker Punch.
0: No, Sucker Punch is more like the end of this movie, where there's just like a whole bunch of CGI that's unnecessary and you don't need it. <sighs> yeah. But the thing is, this movie has things that I really like, where Sucker Punch... Across the board, pretty much does not.
1: Let's go positive first. What are some of those things you liked?
0: Um, there's a lot that I liked about this movie. I think, uh, first of all, the leads are very good. Yes. Uh, Gal Gadot and Chris Pine, who Chris Pine, I have you know spoken about in the past as a actor that I don't really care for much other than in uh, you know Star Trek as Captain Kirk. Or actually, he was great last year in uh, Hell or High Water.
1: He, he was. He's a man who continually impresses me. For someone yeah. who I didn't think I was going to really like, I enjoy watching him.
0: Here's here's the thing, though. They're doing a very similar thing with him here that they, they did with uh, Star Trek. And that's really allowing him to lean into his surprisingly good comedic chops.
1: Uh, Yeah. If you have not seen a Saturday Night Live episode, it's worth watching. Oh he's gosh. hilarious.
0: How good was that? I And I didn't know he could sing and do like, I mean, half that episode was just song and dance. Yeah. Um. So he's good. Gal Gadot, I really love in this. Um, there's, there's a whole lot just about sort of the, um, uh, you know, the, the idea of the story, the way it all plays out. I think the fish out of water stuff is great. Um, I think the world war one stuff is great. The Amazon stuff I, I liked, but it felt a little like, I wished we would have either had an entire movie of that or we, they would have cut it out. Yeah. Like, and I know, uh, I know that's a very sort of like. Cynical, trying to figure out how to make the the film a tight you know hundred and twenty minutes sort of thing, but it as as good as it was, it felt a little disconnected from the rest of the movie.
1: I want to go back and rewatch the first episode of the uh Seventies Wonder Woman show, which I have seen mm-hmm. and uh had a not too dissimilar take on the uh on the intro, except it looked much more like Bat- Battle of the Network Stars when they were working out. It looked a lot like they were just in Burbank shooting. But yeah, um, yeah I, I I thought that was fine. I I thought her mom, the queen, I thought that character was kind of dumb. She's just like, let me not tell her she's a god. It will prove uh, bad for her if she knows I mean, she's.
0: It's it's a very like I I think it fits that sort of like greek mythological thing though
1: yeah i see that but it's i I wanted somebody next to her to just be like why didn't you tell her and she goes oh for plot reasons just to build suspense (laughs) yeah there there was there was another point uh that i i don't i don't know if we're gonna go into spoilers on this or not no i don't think so okay this isn't saying much she doesn't have her sword for a minute and uh well
0: yeah that was just a weird continuity thing that but that whole the third act is a mess is a total
1: mess it it needed a rewrite
0: i i enjoyed this movie i did not love this movie like i and i think had i not i had really high expectations going in i think if i had uh wasn't really like super anticipating it i would have like i would have been very pleased i was a little disappointed just because my expectations were so high i think everyone was great i do think the story on the whole could have used another rewrite of polish Mm -hmm. and some of the some of the like uh, little things of particularly there's there's a third act like oh look surprise in the end that literally from the moment a character shows up I was like oh that character is going to do this thing
1: I, I must I must be daft or something because I, I I didn't see it I oh, was I saw
0: it from a million miles away
1: yeah bad. no I didn't I I thought this was they they had some good parts I don't think but it was built up so much going into it that I expected this to to like be shockingly good like oh man I I was. Re-
0: Yeah. And you're, you were coming off of two weeks of people just like nonstop talking about it. So I could, I could understand that. And here's, I think in like legacy terms, I think this movie will kind of be the uh, X-Men for female superhero movies and not, not to, you know, say we have to compartmentalize all superhero movies into like ones with men and one, ones with women. But like there has been a dearth of good female led superhero movies. And by a dearth, I mean, this is the first good one, really. Um, and I feel like when, you know, when X-Men came out in 2000, it was sort of, you know, we're riding on the coattails of like Joel Schumacher's Batman and, and like the, the comic book movies were not great and they were sort of laughable. And the next man came out and was like, oh, this is actually doing something quite well. It's not perfect, but doing it quite well. And I feel like that's what this is.
1: I I, I agree. It, it's doing good with that aspect of it. I still think they are one foot in that DC super serious morose almost A little universe. little And the it's other foot really... is trying to be Marvel, but not like fully embracing it like um, with Captain America where it just... You know, full out. This is Captain America, and he he unabashedly likes all the things that Captain America always has liked.
0: Where oh, she's she's pretty bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, though.
1: Oh, she is, she is. But but with a a this is clearly marketed to a more global audience.
0: Perhaps yeah. I I although like doing a World War One movie isn't exactly the like oh that's what's gonna get the global audience out to see it. Um, The, the, like I, I love, but I, I love her, her enthusiasm and her just like joy for the world. And, uh, you know, when they're walking the streets of London and she sees the baby and she gets really excited. Um, I got really excited with her. Um, you know, I, I really, I really appreciate that in her. Um, let me ask this. You're, I, I get the sense that you, you didn't hate it, but you didn't love it. What do you think of the no man's land sequence?
1: Uh that that was probably the best superhero part of it cuz I didn't like any of the other times she was being particularly super it was all whatever but that was a a really great just charge type mm-hmm. thing and uh it was her being the best uh she was in that movie that that's the iconic scene I think
0: It 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 really like it got me it was like it was a I I mean I'll put it up there with basically any modern 21st century Superhero moment of of heroism like it's it's pretty great,
1: yeah, but it's canceled out because I'm a history nerd and a whole Ludendorff portrayal that was just I, I,
0: <laughs> yeah, my, I,
1: my really rad recommendation will just be um uh the dan Carlin har- hardcore history series I, <laughs> I forgot
0: I was going to ask you to do this entire review in your Dan Carlin voice. I legitimately was
1: Wonder Woman comes from a place. <laughs> where there's no men. Can you imagine growing up like that?
0: All right. Well, let's uh let's close out this review cuz we've got a lot more show to to catch up on. Um Midnight Warriors, if you have seen Wonder Woman and I assume you probably have and uh you are yelling at your your phone right now. Uh, maybe send us an email at Hello at War or give us a call at 484-424-6362 and tell us how dumb we are as a couple of millennial white guys talking about this Wonder Woman movie.
1: But in the meantime, stick around for our review of Slow West coming up next.
0: Rose, my love, Jane, my Romeo. Once upon a time, Jay Cavendish traveled from the cold shoulder of Scotland the baking heart of America to find his love a jackrabbit in a den of wolves arms abroad boy sir
1: I'm Jay Cavendish son of Lady Cavendish
0: we're all sons of bitch
1: keep heading west solo you'll be dead by dawn
0: I take care of myself sure kid you need chaperone. Let's drift. A few weeks back, we received a message in the old letter bin from a midnight warrior named Logan asking our opinions on the Australian character actor Ben Mendelssohn. Now, even if you're unfamiliar with his name, you'd almost certainly recognize Mendelssohn's face, whether it's as the sniveling bureaucrat Orson Krennic in last year's Rogue One, the mangy mechanic in The Place Beyond the Pines, or maybe as John Daggett, the condescending construction kingpin, behind one of the many convoluted plot points in Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises. Logan mentioned a couple of recent films with supporting turns by Mendelssohn and asked if we'd consider reviewing one of them on the show. And as it so happens, we're just foolish enough to fulfill a listener's request from time to time. Which brings us to our review today. If the title Slow West sounds familiar, that might be because I recommended a few episodes back when we discussed Rio Bravo with Adam Chitwood. Released in 2015, it's the debut feature by John McLean, who in a previous life was a member of the cult Scottish folktronica group, the Beta Band.
1: Did Did you just throw a handful of those magnet poetry words at the fridge? Yes, <laughs> that's the best explanation I have for cult Scottish folktronica group, the Beta Band.
0: Yeah, no, they were they were a band from like the mid '90s to the early aughts. Uh, look him up. The film stars Cody Smith McPhee as a young noble Scotsman named Jay Cavendish, who sets out on a trek across the American West in search of his estranged soulmate Rose, played by Karen Prestorius. Though he sets out on the quest alone, Jay begrudgingly acquires a chaperone when he crosses paths with a mysterious, seemingly dangerous man named Silas, played by Michael Fassbender. The two set out on a course for Rose, which is to say, in a general westerly direction, and they encounter many strange and cruel situations along the way. Slow West is part Western, part road film, part nihilist Cohen Brothers-style farce, and part West's Andersonian art film. And I gotta say, for me, all those pieces come together to make a quite unique and enjoyable debut feature. But Jake, I'm curious... You are far more versed in the Western genre than I am, and I've often heard you complain about its derelict state in modern cinema. So my question to you this time is simple. What did you think of John McLean's unique take on the genre with Slow West? Well, it's definitely a unique take,
1: and I'm not saying I disliked it, but um, it's hard to judge this against a lot of other Westerns because it does so many unique things. It's much mm-hmm. closer to like a road
0: film in, yeah, in my certainly. mind uh um, it's well it's almost using the Western just as the landscape it's it's not it's not falling into tropes
1: yeah, but it, it it's also bringing along the um the mythology of the West with the you know what, what lies west of here uh dreams and toil yeah yeah you know and uh i forget what was east despair and something else but uh that was when they met what was his name was
0: it uh it was Werner. verner, verner. Which i i feel has got to be uh intentional
1: you think? You think it's some other uh, German documentary that they're referencing?
0: I, I, I think, I think it must have been. I, I, I really liked that scene. By the way, it was violence and suffering east, dreams and toil west. Yeah, which you know
1: what? I kind of my take on that was those were kind of backwards, and I don't know uh, what to make of that. But really, um, the people back east were the ones with the dreams and the toil. And the people west, all they found west was violence. And, uh, yeah,
0: but, but I think, I, I think it is the mindset of the people in the, like, or the, that are headed in that direction. Like, the people yes. who are headed out west are the ones with the dreams. They are also the ones with the, the toil of trying to make their way across. Like, I think this, uh, this film does a pretty good job of, in a heightened way, uh, just expressing how, like, lonely traveling west would have been yeah Um, i mean there's there's a lot of these landscapes where it's just either jay or jay and silas in just flat plains where you can you can see for miles and there is nothing no one around them
1: beautiful shots beautiful landscapes i'd be interested i'd be interested to know where this was shot
0: uh new zealand really yeah so Hmm. that's that's one of the the other things that i really love about this is it it takes so it's you know it's obviously taking place in Colorado territory mm-hmm. or at least for the most part uh but they shot i think they shot the scotland stuff in scotland and then everything else in new zealand uh which is i i think kind of brilliant because it shows you what feels like the west but doesn't feel recognizable mm-hmm. like it feels like a dream west or or something like that something like almost this deranged idyllic like even the colors in this movie are it's like it's hyper technicolor in a way like the the greens are too green there and they're they're pushing into yellow and um it it has this look that's like it feels like uh in on on the one hand it feels like those old you know, the searchers or, you know, those, those sorts of big bombastic technicolor Westerns, but then it removes everything that filled it up so that it feels very sparse and empty.
1: Maybe that I, f- I thought that the, the visual choices on this for color and stuff is part of what made it not feel a lot like a Western to me, mm-hmm. uh, because no, I, f- yeah. I, find that the Western genre, like the capital W Western, uh, mythos and genre, is is many plays on the same stage is how i always think of it like you set up the sort of the same landscapes the same sky the same ground it's all the same and you see different elements recombining in different ways to make this mythos that everyone shared this didn't share the look it didn't share the landscape and it was a more of a postmodern take i felt on the western especially with what I thought was the most uh, introspective part, which was when they met Werner and he, he was writing his uh, his book on uh, the treatment of Indians in yeah, yeah. The, and all that and talked about how they would only be mythologized after the fact. It's definitely a, a very aware film. It definitely plays off of the Western while not, I don't think, being considered part of it in my mind.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's definitely more akin to something like uh, Jim Jarmusch's Dead Man than it is to anything... Uh, that that Ford ever made,
1: and 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 Dead Man, I even think is outside, which is it's clearly a western, but it's still outside of that the western mythos western.
0: Yeah, no, and, and, and this well, is more
1: in that tradition for sure, is what I was thinking.
0: What what this is doing that's interesting, in my opinion, though, is it's sort of borrowing all of the little clues from the mythos, but that's about it. Like it it is set in the place while not using the landscape of the place. And then it's, um, you know, using how, just how rough life would have been. Um, and, and these little bitty pieces of, I mean, I love, I love when Jay's they're in the, um, uh, little general store and Jay's Mm -hmm. trying on the suit. And that little moment where he opens up the breast, uh, of the suit and like puts his finger through the bullet hole. Like nothing, nothing is like, idyllic and safe it's it's either dirty or it's uh it, it has some little grime to it without being like the the one of the things that i i really find fascinating about this movie is that it doesn't feel while it has a definite like nihilist bent to it it doesn't feel hopeless no not at all
1: well i think it's because you took such a hopeful well three hopeful characters who left scotland Mm-hmm. to To make a a, a a find the new world essentially, and and you see what this landscape and what this land did to them, and how the West can suck out your dreams, so to speak. And yeah. um, it was it was great watching Jay down that path, go down that path, and and how he, um, you know, he had to he. he he had the the stuff he brought wasn't even stuff that he would need as we saw when uh, (laughs) Fast Bender's character showed up.
0: Yeah. And, and, but then he still kept a lot of it. And then even like when they go in the general store, he's like, Oh, I'm going to try on suits. Like there's no reason he needs a suit other than like, I imagine the back of his mind. He's like, Oh, well I got to look great for Rose. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I, when I get there, I got to look great. Um, but it, yeah, there's there's very like Jay's whole idea of like the character, the character of Jay Cavendish would have never made it that far in reality alone to begin. I, with.
1: I don't know. Uh, he, he had a lot of money. He had money. Money can get you far. Yeah,
0: But that's the thing. Someone would have murdered him for the money.
1: I, 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 where I, In my mind, they picked up with him like not far out of Independence, Missouri. I know they didn't say anything, but like he was no. fresh on the road. He, he had he could not have made it far.
0: No, um, Silas says that he, he caught his trail just in Colorado territory. Really? Yes. Wow. Yes. So that's, I mean, he's made it halfway across the country.
1: I know why you need my help. Oh yeah? Yeah. You're lonely. You're a lonely man. Sure kid. Sure kid. Let's drift, a silent, lonely drifter. You're a lonely, lonely man.
0: No need to concern over me. Hold still.
1: All I'm saying is, there's more to life than just surviving. Yeah, there's dying. Survival ain't just how to skin a jackrabbit knowing when to bluster, when to hush, when to take a beating, when to strike. What did you think of, uh, it's Silas, right? That's Fastbender's character. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think uh, of his character and his performance?
0: Um, I I really like his character. I really like his performance. I think his watching it. So this is the second time that I, um that I've seen it. And I think it actually, this is a movie that rewards repeat viewing in a, in a very nice way. I mean, it's while it is sparse, there's a whole lot of that. It's playing with much like, you know, sort of a Coen brothers movie thematically, these little, these little moments, these little hints at, at stuff that, um you know, he's not trying to, uh, uh, Throw out right in your face, you know, just he kind of lets them, lets them breathe. And I think Silas is a really interesting character because initially, my, my first, um, go around, my thought was like, you know, I, I was constantly sort of looking out for him. This time around, I realized that he actually, he, he's a fairly gentle soul and he has a moral compass that, um, I, I just was sort of, I guess in the back of my mind, avoiding paying attention to it
1: he, he he's almost a, a chaotic good if you want to use that yeah uh, maybe a little bit moral alignment a, chart because he's he's not a he's not a neutral he is mostly doing things for good he's only doing bounty hunting well and he's
0: he's trying to do good that's the like he is he's a character who um he has done a lot of bad in his life but it is he is doing everything he can to do the right thing
1: right and we and we see him shoot the uh that I guess it was like a general or something soldier type uh, right off the bat. But he's doing it because they're just Indian hunting anyway.
0: You know, he actually he kills the three men because he also kills the two officers or whoever they are that are with him as well. Um, those those two gunshots that you initially think are the Indian are actually them and. Um, And and so, yeah, initially, like they set him up to be a very, very violent man.
1: Right. Well, we know uh, to go back to that alignment chart, we know he's chaotic, but we're not sure if he's evil and he's just killing indiscriminately or Mm -hmm. if he's kind of neutral and he's just killing to get by or if he's killing because they're killing the Indians. No matter what he says, we don't know yet, but we know he's on that side of the world where he's on that ruthless Western side. What we don't see until later is how he's he's not a lunatic he's not a murderer
0: yeah well but and we also we spend basically the rest of the movie seeing him do good deeds you know he doesn't kill Werner he ties up Jay to try to save him from being killed by uh by the gang of outlaws he doesn't try to pull
1: his gun on that woman in the in the, the the general store yeah he tries to talk her down
0: like the only violence that he actually really perpetrates is in the very beginning, and then at the very end when he has to. For for being such a um,
1: non-traditional western, it it does have such a a great western arc to it, uh, even if it is tragic to the point of almost being like a Shakespeare or something like that
0: oh you mean something like i don't know romeo and juliet which is actually quoted in this uh, quite well you know with these violent delights have violent ends did,
1: did, did they say that it didn't look like anything to me <laughs> <laughs> that 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 uh that line in the western setting has been uh, co-opted at this point
0: yeah sure um what what about the bill Olson uh story the, the story of the bill Olson reward poster um that the <sighs> The outlaw says, you know, while well, they're around that campfire, um, that's that's pretty like Western tropey.
1: It, it is. And I, I, I wonder if that story in universe was even true or just a good story that he was telling. But the,
0: the I, way they- I think that's what it's meant to provoke is like you don't know if like these the the way that he comes upon that that group, particularly at that point in time, they may not be there at all. You know, like that—that's sort of what I felt the first time around.
1: Yeah, well, they—they they all showed up at at the end scene, um, so we, we have a, a belief that they're real. But yeah, yeah at the yeah. time he's drunk, it he could have wandered into
0: on on absinthe, no less.
1: Yeah, who who knows? But I do love that he just wanders into another fire. No one really cares. Mm-hmm. They all just keep talking. He leaves. It's
0: great. <laughs> well now, they they have orders not to do anything with them
1: right and that that was a great that was a great scene and uh but the but even like the way that's presented with the with the flashbacks and all was not particularly it, it didn't even fit in with a lot of the rest of the movie it was really effective and I liked it
0: I think it thematically fits in with a lot oh though. for sure
1: uh and we had flashbacks to Scotland but not like flashbacks while someone else was telling a story uh, yeah that was kind of a unique part of that film I still liked it it it's. Good. I mean,
0: it's a very like Mike Yannakita moment where it's like you could you could easily lose it and the story would function, but it spices it up a little bit and adds a little something. Yeah. Um. Wait, what about we haven't like this was all prompted by Ben Mendelsohn. We haven't even talked about him. What do you think of Mendelsohn here?
1: Uh. Was Was he the uh, fake McCabe and Mrs. Miller?
0: He was, he was pain. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even say fake. I would say, I would say if anything, the real honestly, yeah, the real McCabe, like he was more McCabe than McCabe was.
1: Yeah. Uh, he was really good. I I like I liked his performance. Uh, I don't know that I've seen that much else with a minute. I know I've seen the dark night, night rises, but I didn't particularly remember him.
0: Yeah. He's in, he's in quite a bit Australian actor. Um, a lot of this cast is Australian because they shot in New Zealand. Um, but, you know, playing people from all over, um, with the exception of Michael Fassbender, of course. Um, but yeah, he's, I mean, he's chewing the hell out of the scenery, but it's so much fun. Um, and there's like basically everything out of his, lo- his mouth is a great quotable one liner.
1: Yeah. He, he was the, he was the yondu of this movie. <laughs> it's kind, kind of the role it felt like he was playing, uh, you know, someone from the past, all that, but he, he I really liked it. Uh, oh yeah, I liked their relationship—the uh, the relationship between um, Silas and this character's name, which I did Pain. not catch, Pain. Yeah, uh,
0: because of course his name is Payne. It has to be like that's and that that's another thing that I like about this is it like in another context it could be so 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 on the head that it's just uh, kind of wretched, but I think maybe because it's so sparse, like this this entire story kind of flows like a, a sparse piece of short fiction um, in a good way like um, and, and this movie you know it doesn't overstate its welcome it's under 90 minutes long
1: Yeah, it definitely is one of those uh, it feels like an adapted short story even down to uh, the ending the third act how that all went down yeah, um, yeah. It, it has that short story feel and it, just watching it made me think what terrible thing happened to this writer who who hurt
0: him <laughs> He was in a Scottish Folktronica band in the 90s.
1: Well, well, something broke his heart. Some other Folktronica artist (laughs) came in and really hurt him.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But uh, no, I I really enjoyed Mendelssohn in this. Um, He's I mean, he is he's great and everything. And the thing that, that I always find interesting about him is he never plays the same character twice. Really? Yeah. I mean, he's he's sort of all over the the board and he kind of, you know, a lot of times he will show up like he does in this film where it's, you know, you're halfway through and then he shows up. And if at least for me, because I'm I'm aware of him and I, I look for him um, when I know he's in something like it sort of like elevates everything because it's like, I have no idea where this is going now. He could go any direction.
1: Is he just and- one of the great modern character actors? i i think he is
0: uh i i think he's fantastic like he's he can get a little big like i don't think he's quite you know like uh pacino in heat here but he's definitely, he's definitely having some fun. yeah <laughs> um he's definitely having some fun with it but like it i i think it i think it all works at least for me in in the context that's created
1: look if you're a good actor and the director asks you to go big you go big the bad times in the green
0: hour down it boy slick with joy are you headed west? North. Yeah, I'm headed uh, south. Chill. Can't stand it. Makes my makes my joint ache. So why north, kid? Someone special? Sweetheart, maybe? Huh? Hey, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. You must be born on a Sunday, huh? You born on a Sunday? Yeah? You born on a Sunday? I don't know. So it's fortunate that you're uh, headed north because west. Uh, it's big trouble. Big storm coming. Easy pain. He's just a kid. No, he's not. He's an outlaw, just like us. Anywho, let's drink to friends, old and new. You know, I didn't want to get into spoilers with this, but let's, there's a couple little things basically about the end that I want to talk about. So I'm going to roll spoilers right now. Um, If you want to skip ahead, you can check the show notes or skip ahead through the chapter markers um, to the beer pairing. Or didn't it? I don't know. Spoiler alert. the spoilers alert. Drop your ears. You don't want to hear a Spoiler alert. Right now. Okay, so a couple things about the end. First of all, like, I how good is the shootout? Oh,
1: that was... It, it's one of the... Look, the shootout at the end of the Western is a, a classic thing. I mean, just look at Rio Bravo or... Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this movie, uh, South of Heaven, West of Hell, with Dwight Yoakum, uh, Billy no. Bob Thornton. Oh, um, I love Dwight Yoakum. Yeah, Dwight Yoakum's fantastic. He actually directed that movie. It all and I went and looked it up. It also has Vince Vaughn, Paul Rubens, Peter Fonda, Bridget Fonda. It, it, it almost made my recommendation list for this week, but I have not seen it since it came out
0: in 2000. Did they all owe Dwight Yoakum money?
1: I I I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Billy Bob, uh he he was he was in Sling Blade, so Maybe right. Billy Bob called in the favors. I don't know. That's another discussion. Interesting. Uh, but the the ending shootout is is kind of a uh, a staple, and this was a particularly good one. This was really really good, and the tragic way that it ended.
0: Well, it's it's really good, and it's true to the form of the genre, while also kind of being inventive with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the I mean, and, and it sort of the way that composition and everything is set up throughout. It, it sort of, it stays on with that mode. Um, and you know, like as the guys are popping out of the wheat field, it almost feels like a video game. Like it, it, it feels like duck hunt or something. Mm -hmm. And then the, like the starkness of it all, the sort of, you, you get this sense that like several of these men, they're basically dying for nothing. You know, like it's, it's just, they happen to, you know, they, they thought as, as Ben Mendelssohn orders or Payne orders them, they, they're just trying to kill the house, <laughs> kill um, that house, killed, which is a great line. Yeah. A great line. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they underestimate, uh, what they're, what they're going up against and, uh, it's, yeah, it's no, it's, it, it is a fantastic shootout and one that, Um, I think it's totally earned.
1: I think one of the best sequences in this movie is that, but especially when they did the cut to the 17 people who had died in the movie. Yeah. Just, just, I I ended up counting them, went back and counted them. It was like 17 just shots of bodies.
0: It it feels like, like it almost felt like, like the uh, Layla uh, moment in Goodfellas without the music.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was and and it was just so stark and it, it was like making you look at this is the West.
0: Yeah. Well, and you just you just feel the weight of it. It was uh, it was it was particularly nice. But then and this is the thing that I really wanted to talk about. Then you get that that final ending to it and which is really hopeful and which is really like I basically Michael Fassbender's character. Silas has found the piece that he's been looking for for years. I mean, assumedly since he was Jay's age when he left the gang.
1: Well, p- part of westerns is you know showing that desert flower, so to speak, trying to yeah see the hope and the future and all this, all these things in the west, and it it is all the people who were hurt just coming together, all the people mm-hmm. who experienced loss coming together and, and making what they can of it. How sad was it though when she said his heart was in the wrong place?
0: I mean it it, it just it it was the, the you know there was a perfect assembly of words yes. for that moment you know um and i and i think a lot of there's a lot of great dialogue that's just like the exact right amount of words in the exact right place that just hit so so well um but did you notice okay so i and i didn't notice this until the second time around because i knew where everything was going mm-hmm. that just before the flood uh silas is having a dream about being married to Rose and they have their first child and his name is Jay. I, they call him they call him Jaybird.
1: I did not take that scene that way. I, I took that scene in a couple of ways that I couldn't crack one. I couldn't tell if that was Jay having fear that Silas would like Jay's dream, mm. having fear that Silas would end up with her or was it, Jay seeing Silas at, I, I, I never thought it wasn't Jay's dream.
0: You thought it wasn't Jay's? I think we come out to Silas though. That's, like, I think we that's come out of the dream possible. to Silas's face which uh, would editorially mean like try to be communicating that that it's Silas.
1: And I, I didn't rewatch it so maybe I was just a, a bad filmmaker or, or I mean uh, hmm. and maybe well, I was then, just a bad hmm. uh, viewer but I, I associate it so strongly that all the things that we have been seeing were J centric and we never yeah. left Jay that I assumed it was a J thing. The other thing I thought it could have been was Jay viewed Silas as a father figure yeah. and actually view Rose more as a mother figure and those were the two most important people in his cause we don't see his mother ever. Yeah. He I actually her like that read more as a mother figure and seeing that as his like ideal family was he was a little baby. That was his mom and his dad in this beautiful white house. He kind of is a little baby. He he is, but he has so much hope and he is taking action and going out on his own, even if it was a f- foolish decision.
0: Yeah, a fool's errand for sure.
1: Yeah, but I mean, then again, it could be what you saw, which it was it was actually Silas's dream, which is interesting too, especially because I, I hadn't thought of it that way until just now and now everything's firing thinking of it from that point know. of view.
0: I would like though to now that we're talking about it I, I I need to go back and and watch it again because I I wonder if we go in we if we go from Jay into the dream and then come out to Silas. So depending on your relationship with the story it could like because if you're going from Jay into the dream it infers that this is Jay's dream.
1: Well, if you come into Jay but you come out on Silas it it is a a uh, thing that could be read both ways and could have been done on purpose,
0: exactly. But if that's, you go in that, and out on the same
1: person, it's a statement that it's obviously,
0: yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that now. But that was this time around. That's that's not how I read it the first time. But this time around, that it is like almost like it was this metaphysical. His ability to kind of see where things were going. Um. And I oh uh, also a little a little thing that I I think it was in. The IMDb, IMDb trivia that I read that, you know, it, it, Silas finally gets the freedom that he wants, but it literally costs him an arm and a leg. He gets shot in the, the shoulder and then the <laughs> leg in, uh, helping to defend the, the house. That's interesting. Um, which is, it's perfect for, you know, Jay gets the salt in his wound and like there's, <laughs> there's so much of this, um, very tongue in cheek, but, but, uh, at least to, to my opinion, used very well, this this little... Yeah,
1: it wasn't quite dark comedy, isn't what I would call it, but it was just... It, it And it wasn't on
0: the it, nose. It's, it's not Yorgos Lanthimos dark comedy.
1: No, or I would have hated it. But, <laughs> uh, no, I, I loved it. I, I loved that part. The more I talk about this m- movie and the more I think of the elements... The, the higher my rating is going. Well, a lot of times when I see something, I have to sleep on it for a few days and the longer it's been, the more I want to rewatch this movie to get more out of it because yeah. I, I loved so many of the little things in it.
0: Well, like I said, this, this really rewards the rewatch because there's a lot to, there's a lot to dig into. Um, so I, I hope, you know, at some point down the line you do, cause it's right now you can watch free on Amazon. Yeah. Spoilers. Her regular dad. Ew. Spoilers are done.
1: We're gonna spoiler time. We're gonna love the past. The time is past for spoiler alerts. So uh when our listeners sit down to watch or rewatch this movie, uh, um what alcohol should they be consuming? Because I hear it's liquid joy
0: <laughs> according to the film. Down it, boy. It's liquid joy. <laughs> uh, just everything, everything out of Payne's Payne's mouth is great. Yeah. Uh, so Jake, actually, before I get into my beer pairing for slow West, I have a small declaration to make, uh, because as most midnight warriors already know, I declared that last summer 2016 was the summer of IPAs. And what that meant was that uh, I paired each summer movie that we reviewed with an appropriate Indian pale ale. So this year, I've decided that I'm going to not uh, do Summer of IPAs Part Deux, but I'm actually going to declare Summer 2017 the Summer of Sours. Like Sour Patch Kids? Kind of like Sour Patch Kids, actually. You're not entirely far (laughs) off in some of these that that I'm sure will come up. Um, But to kick off this series, I'm pairing Slow West with a Red Sour Farmhouse, uh, which I uh, honestly didn't even make that... Punny connection till now, but there you go. You've got it. Um, From a local favorite, Prairie Artisan Ales. Uh, This beer is called Prairie and Friends True Edition. Uh, It's also sometimes referred to as Prairie versus True, um, which is very confusing because I think on the label it says Prairie versus True and also Prairie and Friends True Edition. So there's that. Um, But it's a collaboration with True Brewing Company in Denver, Colorado. And from what I understand, it's the first of a recurring line of Prairie and Friends beers. So um, what I believe that means that they're going to be doing collaborations with uh, numerous other breweries and releasing these um, in sort of an ongoing line. Huh. Uh, so this beer, it's coming in an ABV of 6.66, which – Sort of see i mean there's nothing like explicitly satanic about this movie, but um the, there is a there is a strange darkness to it that i i think you know it it could have this beer could have fit right in to uh, to slow west um and a decent i b u of fifty but this beer is actually all about that funky pucker
1: uh i b u
0: uh, yeah, IBU is for a refresher for those who, who may not know. IBU stands for international bitterness units, <laughs> which is basically the uh, rating of how bitter the beer is. So it, generally it is something that you're going to be looking at if you're uh, maybe bitterness adverse and you're, you're trying to get into IPAs. It's a good scale to, although, I mean, there are some that, um are low and i feel are taste much more bitter than some that are very high um you know there's there's other factors that factor into drinkability um, but it's sort of a, a rule of thumb. So,
1: so can we start using IBUs on really like bitter, uh, world point of view movies? Like what would taxi drivers IBU mean? <laughs> taxi
0: drivers IBU would be pretty high. Basically anything written by uh, Paul Schrader would be in like <laughs> the seventies or above, I think. And,
1: and no country for old men is like a 90.
0: No country for old men. So here's, here's the other thing about IBU. The theoretical limit is a hundred. Oh, um. Or, or the, I'm sorry, not the theoretical limit. The 100 is, is the limit of what, more or less what, uh, the human palate can taste. Mm. Um, so anything above that is just throwing it away. So there's, there's actually, there's a great IPA by, uh, this, uh, uh, Danish, uh, gypsy brewer called McKellar, uh, called 100 or I'm sorry, 1000 IBU, which has a theoretical IBU of 1000, but it's all just, you know, 900 of that, of that is just thrown away. Hmm, interesting. Here's the thing. So 50 is, you know, right there in the middle, but this is a complex enough beer that you don't even really focus on the bitterness. And uh, when I said, it's all about that funky pucker, what I mean is this is a sour, this is a, and, and you will hopefully as, as we go through this, um, I'll, I'll be able to focus on a few different types, um, Uh, of sours, but the, the defining characteristic is that of course it is, it is sour and this beer, it pours a rich, dark reddish burgundy color, which I suppose is also uh, quite good for slow West, a a movie that is so uh, violent, but reveres its violence in a, um, in a, in a nice way. Um, And then it has a, you know, tart soury notes on the front and then kind of leans into this funky fruity, uh, cherryness in the middle and then finishes off with a light, juicy note at the end.
1: Well, that's actually really appropriate because Funky Fruity Cherryness is the name of my Scottish folktronica band.
0: <laughs> Man, your bootlegs sell for so much on eBay. <laughs> okay, so that is my pairing with Slow West Prairie and Friends True Edition. Uh, look for it in your local uh, liquor store. It's going to be, you're going to be, find it in a single bottle, uh, in that beautiful crazy, eclectic uh, uh, prairie label. Um, it's it's wonderful.
1: And if you're looking for Slow West, it is currently available on Amazon Prime and available to rent or purchase from all other impeccable purveyors of motion pictures. If you've seen it, tell us your thoughts at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com
0: Or if email isn't your thing, we'd still love to hear from you. Ring the red phone and leave us a voicemail at 484 424 6362 That's 484 484- for cinema.
1: Stick around. We'll be back after the break with my recap of week three of the Midnight Warrior Fantasy Movie League summer season.
0: Every time I leave, every time I leave, I miss you more and more each time, more and more in a blink, I've missed you. Every time I see, every time I see I want to thank you, more and more each time, more and more with interest I appreciate, there's something I could say, that might make it go-
1: now it's time for the Midnight Warrior Fantasy Movie League Recap. Each week, Chris and I compete with you, the listeners, in a fantasy sports style game to best spend a thousand imaginary bucks to fill a virtual eight screen cineplex with real world movies where the weekend box office determines the winner. It's been a while since our last recap, and you may have missed some action in the meantime. So first, some housekeeping. Our spring 2017 season was won by Cineplex Madison Wondrous Madness, making over one3 Billion dollars in his Cineplex on the season and landing an 18th overall finish. So, congratulations, Madison. And contact us for your white championship mug at Hello at War Starts at From now on, we're going to keep our season updates on the podcast focused on our listener league, which is named the Midnight Warrior League. If you listen to the show and you're not in that league, why not? And if you aren't already playing along, it's never too late to join. Visit wsampod.com Fantasy League to sign up and get all the details. So let's dive into our recap of week three of the summer season. First off, I do not know how to play fantasy movie league anymore. (laughs) I had my worst back-to-back weeks ever in weeks one and two this season, and I followed it up with an abysmal lineup this week. But first, let's go back in time a little bit. Week three saw new releases abound with Cars 3, All Eyes on Me, Rough Night, 47 Meters Down, and The Book of Henry all making their debuts. Uh, Chris, weren't you the one excited about seeing the most bizarre of the bunch? And I'm not talking about the one with the anthropomorphic talking
0: cars. I don't know if I would say excited. I, I'm very morbidly curious about Book of Henry, not to the point where I feel like I want to spend even like a Madden price of like six bucks on it. But I want to see this movie. Um, do you know? Have you heard about this? Do you know anything about this?
1: Only because I watched the trailers when I write my write ups, and it okay. It was two very different trailers just jammed into one.
0: That's and that's basically from what I everything I've read. You know, like film Twitter kind of lost it over this movie when previews came out, like when when critics started seeing it. Um, it it sounds like it goes places it shouldn't go and is totally like all over the place bonkers sort of sort of tone deaf and bizarre like trying to be sort of this twee Wes Anderson thing while also like dealing with rape Wait, and murder yeah, so the first half of
1: the trailer looks like gifted if you remember Gifted from a few weeks ago, where it's like, the smart yeah. little girl. Well, it's like that, but with a little boy, and he's real smart, and he's, like, doing the family's finances. And in the end, it's like, here's why you got to kill the neighbor, because he raped my sister.
0: Uh, not sister. She's she's the neighbor across the street, and he is the son of the – but anyway, yeah, it's, like, from – it just sounds bizarre. And this this is coming from Colin Trevor, who, you know, I'm no fan of, but he is helming the next Star Wars movie after Ryan Johnson, so – Um, it's a little worrisome that this is like, this seems to be his to, um, touch on sucker punch again. This seems to be his sucker punch.
1: Well, look, I'm all for doing a micro review up top, uh, like we did with wonder woman today. If you listeners really want us to go and see book of Henry write to (sighs) us and let us know, I'll go and see it. I just found out that the local AMC does $5 for the first showing of the day and I have Saturdays free. So I'll see pretty much anything you want. (laughs)
0: That's that should be noted. That should really be noted for the future.
1: Yeah, and I know. I went to see Wonder Woman just because it was the only screening I could find. Was because I tried to see it on Friday night. Went bright and early in the morning. Still packed. That that movie has legs. Yeah. At least I was smart enough not to play that nightmare flick, Book of Henry. But bizarrely enough, the film I picked did even worse. Uh, although it supposedly also focuses around a death, uh, I picked that uh, Kate McKinnon helmed Rough Night. Isn't that a
0: ScarJo film?
1: Uh, not in my book, it's not.
0: I mean, no one would know because no one saw it. No,
1: really, really nobody saw it. Even though it cost about 250 bucks last week, Rough Night had an awful weekend. It grossed the least per buck out of all available films last week, and it didn't even make as much as films costing over 150 bucks less. It made like $8 million. What was it priced at? uh 200 243
0: huh so was it just was it just priced there because of Scarjo and Kate McKinney cuz its projections what? were
1: really high it bombed cuz it huh. opened it opened on father's day weekend and it just was not its demographic yeah but if only its uh, title lent itself to an easy pun to describe what kind of weekend it had
0: rah, 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 rah.
1: <sighs> yeah i don't have anything on that one but in any case the real winner of the father's day weekend was pirates of the caribbean
0: what what year is it? People still want to see this? Yeah, actually, Pirates of the Caribbean movies have been. I mean, what is this? The fifth one? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Be- when when the fourth one came out, I didn't realize that there was a third one. Um, <laughs> but no these these movies they have been at least the the past you know three have been fairly poorly reviewed. I mean, it's like a Transformers movie. Like they they get. Pretty terrible reviews and make bank.
1: Look, I, I told my mom that she said, oh, the new one's coming out. I, I want to see that. I've seen all three. I
0: said, mom, there were four. And she went, huh. <laughs> and, you know, I think I think they are going to keep making money as long as they make them, or at least until they get to what Pirates 7, Mutiny in Moscow.
1: <laughs> in my, are, are they in, in like the, the Baltic Sea or something? Yeah, I don't know how that really works. Pirates of the Baltic, just like a really weird spinoff where everyone's Russian.
0: That's why it's going to tank.
1: Well, you don't know that Disney. Disney has not failed to make money all year.
0: Yeah, but the, the, they're they're certainly due for another John Carter or a Lone Ranger. I, I
1: guess, but it it didn't really matter for my Cineplex because I put all my divers in one cage and <laughs> not a Nick Cage and went with seven screens of forty seven meters down and was rightfully grilled for it on our chat for fantasy movie league players. However. Uh, This Mandy Moore shark flick almost pulled its weight, making a strong play for Best Performer, losing out only to Pirates. I at least turned in my first respectable week of the summer, even though I still played Rough Night, so it's not like I did that good. Uh, And the perfect cineplex for record ended up being a simple one screen of Wonder Woman, seven screens of Pirates. So uh, how did you do, Chris?
0: Well, here's the thing, Jake. I've decided, because obviously I'm not going to be the best in this league, even even the smaller listener league. So I've decided I'm going to pick up a little gimmick. And so what I'm doing all season this season is using all my bucks, but trying to make the least amount of money possible.
1: Hmm. What did what? What's your cineplex name now?
0: Uh, I am Biff's fantasy movie league almanac. It's not working very well, is it? It's not working very well. I beat you the week before. I think in week two, I beat you when I was trying to lose. Yeah,
1: I was on. Uh, it's funny. I was on vacation and I didn't. I talk about all the time. The most important hour of the week is that one week before screens lock when all the preview numbers come out. Yeah, and I was not there to check them. I was. I was off on vacation and I turned in a terrible lineup that I was actually trying to do well when I picked like seven screens of it comes at night. Uh, So I renamed my Cineplex as well. And I'm now uh, tanking the network.
0: (laughs) So here's the thing. I checked on projections early on the weekend and I was sitting at number two (laughs) and that was bad news. Real bad news. I ended up steadily falling down as the weekend went on. I ended at eight of, what do we have, 17 people in in, in the smaller league. So still better than I, I my goal is to be on the second page every week. Hmm. That's my real goal. Uh, so I failed last weekend because I overperformed.
1: So that's, that's why I'm really interested to hear your take on the new movies this week. I'm going to go over them real quick. Uh, Beatriz at dinner. Have you heard anything about this one? Nope. It's Selma Hayek and John Lithgow. Watched the trailer. Pretty, it looks pretty good. Uh, she like comes over to dinner and he's a total, and John Lithgow's like a total dick. Or maybe he comes over to dinner. Something like that. I don't think it's my dinner with Andre, so it's not going to be like that classic that uh, Abed really loved. Right, but uh you know, it it it's uh it actually looked really interesting and it's really low priced so it uh it's
0: yeah, only 17 bucks.
1: Yeah, it's going it to depend on how many screens it lands on.
0: See if it if it had some rough night pricing, I might go for it.
1: Yeah, rough night looks like the value play this week.
0: Uh, no, 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 I mean rough night from last week. Oh. <laughs> cuz then it, then it could really Oh yeah, cuz you really want pull... it to do bad. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, next up new this week, uh, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, Transformers the last night with, uh, Mark Wahlberg and Stanley Tucci.
0: Uh, you're leaving someone out there, Jake.
1: Uh, who's that?
0: Sir Anthony Hopkins is in this movie.
1: But why?
0: I, I mean, because I'm pretty sure he just plays a robot. So it was probably two and a half days of work.
1: It's okay. I, I was, <laughs> I was looking at the cast and I saw Stanley Tucci on there and I, it just reminded me that I always think he's just like Jeremy Piven with glasses. Or that maybe, maybe Jeremy Piven is just someone who Stanley Tucci plays sometimes.
0: I don't know about that. But do you, do you think they made Anthony Hopkins come in for (laughs) mocap?
1: Is he just a voice? Is that all he is?
0: I think, I think so. I think he's a robot because they're all like, they're all night robots.
1: Are you sure you're not just thinking about
0: Westworld? I don't think so. Could be Westworld. Could be Westworld. It's possible. I don't think it's Westworld. We really don't
1: know. He is playing a character named Sir Edmund Burton, so I feel like he's not a robot. No, I think he's a robot knight. I don't understand what that... Like, you think he's a Transformer?
0: I think he's a Transformer.
1: He's not a... I want him to be, but he is not a Transformer. I'm looking at pictures of him, at least on set.
0: Is he wearing a mocap suit? No, unless he just said that's what he's
1: wearing to do his mocap. I'm gonna do it in a leather jacket and a fedora
0: Well now I'm less interested.
1: you, you wanted him to be a robot?
0: <laughs> kind of. is Gerard Carmichael in this movie? I don't I don't know what's going on in this movie. I watched one awful trailer and it's all I want to know. I'm done. Wait, Gerard Carmichael is in this movie. What is going on?
1: What do you want to, what do you want to see happen here? You want to go and see this movie?
0: No, because it's two and a half hours. Oh, my God. Is it really? Yeah. I mean, they're all they're all well over two hours. So
1: mercifully, I did read that it is Michael Bay's last. He said he's done with it.
0: Do you think do do you think they tried to introduce the dinosaurs in the last one so they could create a mesh universe with Land Before Time?
1: Was that a real thing? They they had
0: dinosaurs in this last movie? Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure they had dinosaurs in the last one and this one has knights.
1: Chris, if you told me there were nine of these movies, I believe you. I completely wrote it off my radar. Don't remember anything. I know more about Transmorphers.
0: <laughs> what about Transmorphers 2: Rise of the Fallen, which is actually a prequel?
1: Was it not F- Fall of Man? Or was that the actual one?
0: No, you're right. It is Fall of Man. (laughs) Don't you challenge me on my Asylum sequels, Chris. Wait, okay. So apparently there's Transformers Revenge of the Fallen and then Transmorphers 2 Fall Fall of Man.
1: Man. Right. So... I couldn't have told you that Revenge of the Fallen, but I know Transmorphers 2 is Fall of Man.
0: Have you seen these? No. Transmorphers are bad. Oh, I've seen seen
1: Transmorphers. It wasn't significantly worse than Transformers.
0: Uh, the, The second Transmorphers is unwatchable like not even so bad it's good just boring
1: uh last new movie this week uh tube light are you gonna see tube light huh tube light
0: there's an art film
1: uh if 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 bollywood makes art films Ooh. yeah bolly Ooh. bollywood release about there's like a war on the pakistani border like indian like and this this guy tube light is his name but it's not his name it says in the trailer his brother's going off to war and then there's like his brother might be in danger there's a dance scene and then to like has to get faith to stop the war
0: oh wait hold on i just looked at the poster i thought that was joe latruglio on the poster
1: (laughs) i don't think so if it is i just thought he was an indian guy when i watched the trailer
0: (laughs) yeah i no. i think you're right i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure you're right but i i thought oh Okay, that's not what I thought that movie was going to be at all.
1: Yeah, so I mean, honestly, it doesn't look like it's terrible. It's all going to matter how many theaters it gets into because the, it's priced really low. This could be like the steal of the week. We could be looking at a Bahubali two situation. Yeah, I don't know, but I, I'm I'm not thinking it's going to be an ideal high moosh kill.
0: Okay, so wait, so could I? No, it's it's only at like thirty something. I can't tank my can't tank my Cineplex with that.
1: No, but. But listener Amy could put all of her eggs in that basket. She
0: could. No, she can't because she's got to go to the one that she can get the most of, right? That's
1: is right. That which the- I think is All Eyes on Me this week?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think you're right. It's at 104. So, yeah. she.
1: So, so speaking of All Eyes on Me, did you know the actor who played Notorious B.I.G. in Notorious also plays Notorious B.I.G. in this film?
0: Are they making a universe?
1: That's what I'm wondering. Is there a hip-hop cinematic universe? Yeah. Is it happening?
0: That would get messy. That would get real messy.
1: What? I think you get messy, Chris. Let me have my thing.
0: <laughs> this whole concept is sweaty.
1: Oh, man. Okay. I- I'm, do- I'm done. I'm checking out. What are you playing
0: this week? I don't feel very good about my uh, Cineplex this week because I don't think it's going to do as bad as I want it to do. Um, I've got two Wonder Womens, and then I've got, what, six eyes on me, all six of them. The Mummy... Guardians 2, and then Book of Henry for, uh, you know, shoring things up.
1: I lost I lost track. It sounds like you have 10 movies in there.
0: No, I have two Wonder Women. I have six eyes. So, oh, three, oh six all eyes. eyes on me.
1: Yeah, I get it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then A Mummy, and then Guardians, and then Book of Henry.
1: My, my lineup right now is at $1, and it looks like I'm trying to do what you're doing, because I have three Wonder Women Three rough nights and it comes at night, and the book of Henry. So, I this will 100% change by lock time. There's no way I'm keeping this.
0: No, nope, mine's staying. I like there's nothing that I that I see is super overvalued, even like I don't I can't trust that a Transformers movie is gonna bomb.
1: I think I look. I'll let everybody know more about it on Thursday afternoon when you can find my FML recap article on the War Starts at Midnight blog. That is that is when I will know for this week, and it might still just be Friday morning.
0: And if you've got a hot take for the next perfect Cineplex, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter at WSAmpod. And stick
1: around for really rad recommendations coming up next.
0: Heart being tired. All right, Jake, it is really rad recommendation time once again, and being that we are discussing a Western once again, and you are a uh, just a mine of knowledge on Westerns, I assume you've got one uh, to recommend here. Am I right?
1: Uh, you are, but just barely, because I was really close to recommending 2015's Brooklyn. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, they were both about Scottish immigrants coming to this country with a lot of uh, hopes and dreams, except she was an Irish immigrant, but... You know,
0: I, I like that connection, though. That's good.
1: Yeah, it, it, thematically, it was close, but after our discussion, I wanted to recommend. Uh, I, I talked a lot about you know um, the Western genre, and if there's anyone listening who for some reason has not seen 1992's Unforgiven, please, please watch that movie.
0: You you clearly didn't go to college with Jake
1: <laughs> because it was always on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is one of those movies that. I've seen the beginning, like the, the the 10 times that I've intentionally watched this movie, and I've seen everything after that, the 100 times that it was on TBS or whatever channel it was on. Yeah. But just top to bottom, this movie is an unstoppable movie. When you start watching it, you will not be able to turn it off. It is nearly perfection. But the thing I like most about it, 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 is, it is the bookend at the end of the Western genre. I don't think a a truly great Western has been made since... Unforgiven that fits into like the old school Western mythology. This closes out the book on the American West on Eastwood's character. He never needs to do another Western. I don't believe he's done one since. I don't think anyone else needed to do another Western. It was done. So everything (laughs) else after that is just new takes on it, trying to do something different because you really can't
0: reopen that book. We've rebooted the Western since.
1: It, it, that's sort of how I feel. There, there yeah. was a long time with John Wayne and Clint Eastwood, and 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 John Ford and Sergio Leone. They carried the the thread through those, even though they were different. The thread was carried. This wrapped them all up perfectly, and it's it's the end of the western. I've never seen a genre just closed like this. It it also passes the Bechdel
0: test with flying colors.
1: It is a it is a great movie. The script is amazing. Apparently, he sat on it for years and years until he could do it the way he wanted to do it. And and maybe just so he could be as old as he wanted to to be in that movie. He gives mm-hmm. a great performance. Eastwood directs it. I don't know if I said that, but he does a fantastic job directing it. You get great performances turned in from everybody, uh, which is like Gene Hackman, Morgan Freeman. Um you also God. get Gene Hackman's
0: hmm. so good in this.
1: Yeah. Richard Harris is in there as English Bob. Mm-hmm. It's 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 really, really good. Uh James Wolvet who I don't know much else he's been in is in an iconic role as the Schofield kid Yeah, that it's just, it's just great. You just got to watch it. And if you haven't seen it, uh, maybe you want to be on the show so I can talk about it for about an hour (laughs) on mic. Really no one else needs to be there. I can just record it myself because it's going to be fantastic. But if you haven't seen it, you can find it on HBO go. You can rent it at voodoo, iTunes, Amazon prime. If you still have cable for some reason, I'm sure it's going to come on today. Go find it. It's, it's a perfect film
0: that's that is a great recommendation um a, a it, i don't even like i would say an obvious one but it, i i do agree like if this gets one person who hasn't seen it to see it it's it's totally well worth it uh
1: unforgiven so good it's so good i i know it's i know it's really on the nose but since we talked about the the mythos of the west you have to or the mythos of the west you have to have to see this movie. This is an absolute must see, and I, I don't want it to to go overlooked because I don't often see it in the top ten greatest films ever made lists or anything like that. But personally, it is in my top ten, and most of the time in my top five.
0: Wow, I, I know. One of these days we should have that discussion on on Mike. Just just the actual top five. Yeah, we should we should do our lists. We should do it every
1: time. ten years, sight and sight and sound uh, style. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be great. Uh, so, Chris, do you have a recommendation? And is it in your top five
0: greatest movies of all time list? I do. It is not. But it is a Western. All right. What do you got? And when I say it is a Western, I mean it is a Australian Western. And when I say Australian Western, I don't mean like this movie that was shot in New Zealand and takes place in the West. It is literally a movie that takes place in the Australian outback in a form, in the Western form, more or less. Hmm. Um and so to to add on top of, you know, we we got Australia close to the Kiwis um in, in New Zealand. It also was written by Nick Cave, so it's got a written by a uh, member of a band, a musician, tie in there as well.
1: I heard that guy was a, a, a bad seed.
0: <sighs> um also also scored by Nick Cave. I think Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds um, hmm. on this. Uh directed by John Hillcoat. Um, and this, it's been a while since I've seen this movie. I'm actually planning once we finish recording to go and rewatch it.
1: Should I be planning the same thing? Tell me about it.
0: Uh, well, maybe. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you about it. You may not like it because it's, it's not a Western set in the West. So it might, it might look a little weird to you, but uh, but basically, Guy Pierce plays this outlaw, Charlie Burns, who is captured by the lawman. I think it's Ray Winstone. It's like I said, it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, and he's given an ultimatum of something like seven days a week to, to find his brother, um, who is played by Danny Houston, who once again, another tie in is in uh, Wonder Woman. Um, it's
1: it's guy pierce out in the desert and he's in a dress the whole time because he's a drag queen right no, no,
0: no, that that, that's priscilla queen in the desert oh ah, shoot my bad but it's it is really beautifully shot it is um also very like it's set against this very unforgiving uh western outback or this unforgiving outback uh, landscape. Um, and, and it has a, a a few little quirks to it. Like, uh, I believe instead of, uh, riding horses, they ride camels. I think <laughs> that's right. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm running on like probably 10 year old memories here, but, uh, it's, it's very, I think it's very inventive. I think it's a very good, like the way that they sort of transplant the genre into this landscape and into this story. Um, honestly, I would love to see more uh sort of like Australian Outback Westerns. I I don't know that I mean there could be a whole industry that I'm or a whole subgenre that I'm unaware of. This is the only one I've seen. Um, but it, it feels like it's so perfectly kind of suited for um some of the I'm sure crazy stories, uh be it real or folklore or just uh, you know, made up off of the top of Nick Cave's head, um, that that you can set in that in that landscape.
1: You want another connection?
0: Sure, give me another connection.
1: Uh, another connection. You said, uh, Danny Houston is in this. Yeah. And he,
0: he was Ludendorff in Wonder Woman. He was. I did. Well, and, and that's, thank you. I, I couldn't remember the name Ludendorff, uh, because I couldn't think of Dan Carlin saying it inside my skull. Uh, Ludendorff. but yes, he was. And of course, another connection. Um, Danny Houston's father, John Houston, directed the Great Western, Annie. <laughs> anyway um i i think this is a you know this is probably where whereas like unforgiven is one that if you haven't seen how have you not seen it this is one that's it's a nice hidden gem i feel like uh it's very rare that i come across someone who i can uh talk to about this film um it, you should you should definitely check it out it's uh, basically available to rent in all the usual places. Uh, look for it. That's the proposition directed by John Hillcoat. And I will be watching it as soon as we wrap up here. So I guess we should say that that is a wrap for another episode of war starts midnight. Find us online at war for show notes, fantasy movie league recaps, and more, or say hello on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WSAM pod.
1: If you enjoy the show, rate and subscribe to it on Apple podcast or wherever you listen to fine audio programming. It'll help us grow the Midnight Warrior Clan, and
0: it'll make you feel awesome. On the other hand, if you're the trolling type who simply hate listening through these credits, go ahead and tell us everything we got wrong at hello at Midnight.com. Or if you're a narcissist, you can leave us a voicemail and see if we play it. Just ring that bright red telephone at 484-424-6362. The War Starts at Midnight theme song was
1: produced by Justin Streck. The spoiler alert theme song is by The Taylor Machine. Check them out at facebook.com slash thetaylormachine. And shout out to Rubens' accomplice for the featured music on this week's show. Find more at RubensAccomplice.com.
0: Join us and Collider.com's deputy editor Adam Chitwood in another fortnight as we discuss Jake's most anticipated film of what would you say jake the year the decade
1: uh the however long it's been since the world's end i haven't seen the trailer yet don't tell me about it
0: <laughs> uh we we are of course reviewing discussing edgar wright's baby driver
1: i saw the poster and that in and of itself is too much information
0: <laughs> jamie fox is in this movie jake no <laughs> all right well uh we're reviewing that in in two weeks uh join us it's gonna be i'm sure a hell of a lot of fun uh thanks for listening folks
1: dry your eyes kid let's drift Um, I, I I assume we don't have time to tell the story of the time he and and uh, the actor who played the Joker showed up at an orgy accidentally.
0: No, probably not. Did you
1: Did you hear that story? <laughs> no. Yeah. So they 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 go to a party. It's just like a Hollywood party, and they showed up, and it was an orgy, and they were extremely awkward. So they just went in character, and he was Batman, <laughs> and the and the other what? one was Joker, and they just kept talking until they kicked him out, and they were banished from the orgy. <laughs> They didn't do anything. They
0: just kicked him out. (laughs) How have I not heard this? I
1: don't know. I read it in a comment section right after he died, but apparently uh, he told that on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast.
0: Oh, that's a great story.